Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. I went to kind of a, a magical place yesterday. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, we took a drive down. I uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to go see my mother's grave, and I wanted to take a, a quick detour through the, the tiny little podunk town where my grandparents lived, and... um. You know, show Ellen a little bit more of that. Like, I'd taken her down once before, but, like, there's just, there's, there's weird. I mean, this is real, real small town country, southeast Missouri. Uh, and, like, one of my favorite landmarks of this little town is there's a couple of, like, side streets where, like, just big old growth trees are, like, yeah. right in the middle of the street. So they just said, fuck it, and paved around them. <laughs> right. That's great. Uh, which I always loved seeing, like, and then uh, we wandered down. So, like... Uh, as you know, I'm, I'm in the city of St. Louis on the Mississippi River, and about an hour and a half further downriver uh, is uh, is the town of Cape Girardeau, Missouri, or uh, okay. Gir- Girardeau, Girardeau. Uh, <laughs> as the French would know. It. Oh, fucking uh, Lewis and Clark. We say a lot of things weird around here, man. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I told you about this, but uh, for, for our listeners who, who may probably aren't familiar, uh, sure. when I was growing up in, in you know, in this general area, uh, I would go out to, to to Cape, as we call it, and this seemed like you know fun, kind of bigger city because my my family lived in and around this very small city that's similar to where I grew up in in upstate New York, but just out here uh, called Fredericktown, a real real small country town. That the the most fun thing to do was go to the dairy bar and get an ice cream. Um, I mean, it's and, still pretty fun, you know, like. 20 minutes down the road was Farmington. That was kind of like, oh, we go go into the city for tonight. Uh, and, you know, I'm using that very loosely. Uh, so, like, for uh, for your frame of reference, it would be kind of like going from Fulton to Oswego. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, like, going yeah. from, like, yeah, like, technically a city to, like, hey, the city. Uh, hey, and then right. you go, like, a little bit farther down. Uh, and there's Cape Girado, and that would have been like going to Syracuse, like, oh, right, we're going to the, the real city, with, of course, like, you know, north where nobody goes because it's dangerous and crime-ridden, uh, the city of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I remember it being cool when I grew up, and we went out there about a decade ago after we moved out here, so I wanted to just kind of wander around, and, you know, I, I love these old river towns, uh, and it was pretty sad. It was pretty hard times, like, 
almost everything had shut down. Like at, at the time I was still in my like brewery exploration mode and I saw like there was a brewery and, but like, Oh, it hadn't opened yet or it had like literally just shut down or something like that. And, and it was just, it was real sad. The only thing that was open though were antique shops. And I remembered that cause we, we wandered through them. They were kind of neat. Uh, and I, I've told you about my, my plans to acquire a, a nice ornate cane, uh, yes. to, to age into as my, <laughs> as yeah. my troubles with walking continue. Uh, and so I was like, well, while we're doing all this wandering in Southeast Missouri, let's go to Cape and like go through the, the antique shops. And so we did. Now I didn't find any, any, uh, usable canes. I did find a bunch of canes, including one that was like, it had a little panda on the handle. It was like a very traditional oh. cane shape, but it had a little like carved panda on the handle, which was adorable. But the thing was so light. It felt like it just, it would barely hold any weight to snap. use. It would just snap. Yeah. So I was like, damn it. And of course there were a couple that were carved to shape like, you know, be shaped like guns. Cause you know. Missouri. Uh, sure. <laughs> there were a couple that were just like really gnarly branches that someone had like lacquered and set our canes. Uh, uh, and, you know, if you just, again, like very traditional, like probably came straight from like a hospital or something like that. Very, it was a bit, curvy metal. Yeah. I didn't find anything I wanted, but there was, there was one shop that we walked through that was easily like three city storefronts wide and had like a, uh, uh, downstairs as well. Like it could have been like an old department store or something like that. Yeah. And in this one, I found something that made me angry. I found an absolutely fucking flawless retro, like 70s, 80s Cardinals starter jacket, like the button up kind with the, the elastic around the waistband and oh, the cuffs and, you know, yeah. the kind of short collar, just like the members only. Type, like yeah. the, like the, the, like hard nylon shell, like, yeah. ah, just like the perfect, like windbreaker. Like I like, could have just like a walk straight out of a fucking, like a throwback movie on Netflix or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely flawless. And it was almost, almost my size. It was a medium oh. uh, and it like, Overall, fit me pretty damn well, but it was just too short to be comfortable. I guess mm. sat like right at the bottom of like of, like my abdomen abdominal area, like you know where my hips are. So like shorter than my shorts usually fall, and yeah. it just like I couldn't do it. The thing was one hundred thirty five dollars, which meant that they knew exactly Whoa. what they had. Oh yeah, they it knew what they had. Going to be like yeah. some some hidden steel that I was going to pay like five bucks for. They knew exactly what they had, uh, which made me want it even more. Because I'm like fuck, this thing is perfect. It's just like I couldn't justify the spend because I knew I would put it on and be unhappy with it. And that right. made me so mad. Because <laughs> it would just sit in a closet completely unused. And I, I mean, I could, I, I suppose I could have turned around and like found someone who you know, like would have worn it, but like someone else will, will find it. It'll fit them and it'll, they'll pay the 135 bucks. And or they'll, they'll be very happy for it. Or they'll haggle. I don't know if you haggle at places like that. Another one yeah, down the street had a vintage Schwinn for 50 bucks. So if you know, if you had anyone out there like can can easily get to Southeast Missouri uh, with a vehicle that can transport a, a bike, and you're into vintage bikes, fifty bucks in the the Cape Girardeau Antiques District. There's there's your tip of the week. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been tips of the week brought to you by uh, the St. Louis Never Heard of It podcast. <laughs> and that being said. Hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight. And I'm the ghost of David Arquette's career. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Hey, he was in uh, Five Cream. Was, uh, was he was in the new Scream, right? Five? Oh, five, yeah. yeah, I see what you're doing. I thought Five you, Cream, yeah, Five Cream. I, yeah. I get it now. I was, <laughs> I was a little bit, a little bit behind. Uh, I, which, which is really, it's it's kind of a funny coincidence because Five Cream was also the name of the porn sequel, uh, the fifth one. It was. It's just really weird that that lined up like that. <laughs> I thought this was uh, a cosmetics line. I'm very confused. So, what it's like to five cream face? What? What? Uh, what? <laughs> so, listen. I I I, I'm have, listening. I have definitely told this story at some point in the past because I get excited about this. Uh, but it, it it at its heart it reveals how petty and spiteful I can be. Um, but oh. <laughs> this I promise this is all relevant. So you've watched the the most recent Stranger Things season, right? Or at least uh, started. I only have one episode left. Okay, I'm on the last episode of of part one. Yep. So Steve and um, Robin. Robin, thank you. I always forget her name, but I love her so yeah. much. Uh, work at a family video. Yeah. Yes. We actually still have those around here. I saw we, one in fucking Farmington. We, we used to have one, but it shut down like a year ago. And in uh, in like a perfect sign of the times in true uh, beings, it is now a cannabis shop. Oh, nice. Uh, but it is, I was like, that's, that's, that seems about right. That's we super went fitting. To, to, that's, that's that thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, like when I saw it on Stranger Things, I was like, wait a second, that was a real chain, wasn't it? But I couldn't remember for sure. Yep. And then I got off the highway and I looked and there is one sitting right on a plaza. I'm like, shit, there it is. Um, so anyway, this goes back to, uh, well, we'll say that it had to have been sometime around 2002, 2003-ish. Uh, I had you know, a, a job at the mall. Was, I don't remember what I was doing at the time, but I was not feeling well one day and I called out of work. I stayed home. I was still still living in my parents' place at the time. And sometime later, I was feeling better enough to get up and about. And somehow my dad interpreted that as, you should go to the video store and pick us up some movie films. Uh, he didn't talk <laughs> like that, but, you yeah, no, know. That'd be cool if did. <laughs> and so uh, I was like, you, you know why I'm home, right? Like, this isn't a vacation day. Like, right. But okay, fine. Like, I'll go, but you're not going to like what I bring back. Uh, and I went, and uh, setting aside all phobia, uh, I picked up a copy of Eight-Legged Freaks and, of course, <laughs> the iconic dragon film, Reign of Fire. Uh, absolutely iconic. Uh, and that They may be relevant later this month. We'll see. Uh, and I brought them home chanting Monster Movie Day. <laughs> and I made my dad sit through Eight-Legged Freaks and Reign of Fire uh, because he sent me to the video store when I was not feeling well. And so that brings us all the way to now the month of June 2022, uh, 20 years after the release of Eight-Legged Freaks. And we are celebrating uh, our month of June with a monster movie marathon. That includes, yes, I'll say it one more time because they say the thing in the fucking movie, these eight-legged freaks. But the best part about that is the original name of this movie was Iraq Attack, of which they also say in the film several times. Several times. So the like right off the bat, this this movie is does one of my favorite things that like horror slash monster movies do, especially when they're going to be camp. 
is yeah. they give you the entirety of what's going to happen in kind of like a microcosm at the beginning. So, of yep. course, we know that in this movie, the monsters, the big bads are giant spiders. So at the beginning, we get creepy spider guy going through with creepy spider kid and talking about all the different species of spider that creepy spider guy is raising in his uh, backwoods home and what they can do, how they kill, and even clever names for their maneuvers like a rack attack. A rack attack. <laughs> so I, we know everything, like every way that someone's going to die in this movie within the first five minutes. <laughs> it reminds me of that scene in Wayne's World 2 where they're heading to the uh, to like the record theater thing and they're walking by and like they see two guys walking with like glass pane and there's a guy like <laughs> stacking watermelons and another one stacking chickens. He's like, what are you guys doing? And he's like, oh, well, well, my job is to uh, stack stack these watermelons right here. He's like, oh, you're selling watermelons. He said, no, sir, just just got to make sure they're stacked at all times. It's <laughs> like, well, what are they doing? He's like, oh, I'm just here keeping these chickens here. They just got to be in this exact same spot. And then those guys, they just walk back and forth with a large pane of glass every so often. He's like, weird. I wonder if that'll pay off in later in the film. And they'll like look at the camera. And that's exactly what this scene feels yes. like. Cause he's like, oh yeah. And then these ones do this exactly. And you're like, okay, I get it. I get uh-huh. it. But this film is like so cartoonish. Yeah. I forgot like how ridiculously cartoonish it is. Like when the spiders are walking, they're going like, and I'm like, what the fuck is going like when, when they get shot. Yeah, and the other one's like, I'm like, spiders don't make noise. And then when the one fights the cat, and they have like the face like pushing through the thing, this is the most ridiculous movie. I I could see someone like you with arachnophobia watching this movie and being like, well, I'm not scared of this because this is absolutely the most absurd thing. Like this is the equivalent Uh of like ridiculous and like a picture doing something funny. It's like, oh, I'm afraid of spiders. I know. Make it I'll use the ridiculous charm from Harry Potter to make this movie (laughs) so I am no longer scared of them and just think it's silly and laugh at the the bogger. Like, I saw Arachnophobia. Um, Against my better judgment, I did decide to watch it as kind of an attempt of like, oh, everyone in the movies is like, oh, you just got to face your fears. I'm all fucking watch it, but I'm not gonna like it. And I didn't. It scared the shit yeah. out of me. And that's a, that's a big movie. Turns out I'm still scared of spiders, even though I faced that fear. Uh, but this movie, like, yeah, it's such a fucking caricature. It's so cartoonish that like I couldn't help but laugh throughout. Even like, yeah, I mean, there are still things that gave me the the heebie-jeebies uh, about it. Like, I, there's nothing about giant spiders that I enjoy. But <laughs> this is so stupid funny. And, like, even if you just look at David Arquette's face on the poster, you're like, okay, all right, I know what I'm getting into <laughs> I know exactly what's happening. And yeah, like, you mean his face it looks like a stripper's crotch? Yeah, it's That's so gross. That's what his aunt said. <laughs> um, <laughs> she shaved it off your face. It looks like a stripper's crotch. It's just so rude. I don't even know what it, it means. Is. I mean, I do know what it means, but it's still, it's I rude. I was going to say, Caleb, I'm not going to explain <laughs> that one to you over the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just I know what it means. I don't understand why it's an insult. Uh, right. um, the but yeah, like, again, like the the trailer. I remember like it being over the top, and I feel like they actually used the line in the trailer too. That you ain't yeah. gonna get free. So I'm like, okay, so this is gonna be goofy. Plus, Dougie Doug was in this. Dougie film, Doug, man, and Dougie Dude, Doug yeah. was amazing, and he was he was still huge at the time. 
Uh, and of course, of course, we have uh, the in the early days of her career still a young Scarlett Johansson. I, she was only seventeen when this movie was made, and this, so this was not too long after uh, where I had first seen her in Ghost World. Uh, oh right, if I remember because yeah. that was late uh, late nineties, right? Let me yeah, because two thousand one. Okay, so two thousand one yep. Ghost World, uh, two thousand two Eight Legged Freaks, two thousand three Lost in Translation, and then her career just fucking skyrocketed from there. Lost in Translation was 2003. Mm -hmm. So that after that, insane. Girl with she the Pearl Earring. She was only 18 in that movie. Perfect score. Uh, and then, shit. you know, just, you know, picks up from there. The, you know, the Island, the Black Dahlia, the Prestige, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, that this is, is like, wild. like ground floor for her. She had done a few things uh, in the, in the 90s, but really like, I mean, I hate to say it, but this is, this is like right teetering on the edge of when her career actually started. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, she was in the movie North. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you remember that movie? Vaguely. Yeah. What a wild fucking I mean, movie. Uh, yeah. So that's that's another um, uh, young actor. Elijah Wood was in that one. Bruce oh, yep. Willis. Yep. 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 Yeah. But sixth in the neglect, he receives from his mom and dad. A young boy leaves home and travels the world in search of new parents. <laughs> uh, what a also weird. Jason Alexander, who I learned recently, just fucking slays it at Wheel of Fortune. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Celebrity Wheel of Fortune on one of the streaming services. I don't even know. It's been like late at night, you know, too stoned to care about anything else, but not tired enough to go to bed. Ellen has been like, "Oh, Wheel of Fortune," and <laughs> put on Celebrity Wheel put of Fortune. Oh, Jason Alexander, a fucking prodigy. Yeah, he uh, he's a pretty cool guy. He was actually here in Syracuse for a while filming a movie um, uh, not that long ago, maybe like a year or so ago. Filming a movie in Syracuse? Filming a movie. In, who does that? I don't know. <laughs> By the way, we did that. We did that. And yeah. uh, it should be coming out soon. And it's right out of Osas Omnium. <laughs> so uh eight-legged freaks so this is this is a, a a spider monster movie but i you know there's a couple of things that i noticed one this has a very similar uh plot to night of the living dead mm -hmm, because they mm -hmm. end it, the movie in a mall on the roof of the mall mm -hmm. uh it also is the same plot as uh train to busan um, because okay. it starts the exact same way where he swerves off to not hit a bunny a thing of toxic chemicals falls out, infests this thing, and then, you know, the spiders are zombies, and that's kind of where that's at. It's also the same plot as Zombievers. <laughs> and, uh... Have we not? We haven't watched that one yet, have we? We have not done that movie yet, but that is definitely something... That is an up-our-alley, unfortunately, movie. Yeah, so... The like we've talked about this before, how like the various genres of of horror have come out of kind of what was the concerns of the time. So, yeah. uh, the the um, Atomic Age monster movies, like we get a, a glimpse of. I, I'm pretty sure it was them uh, that was playing on the TV in Mike's room uh, when he gets grounded because it's the giant ants. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> but like that era, like the kaiju movies, the giant insects, etc. Like we're all born out of the fear of. Uh, what can happen from the effects of radiation from nuclear uh, power and from you know, atomic bomb testing, et cetera. And then around about like the 80s, 90s-ish, maybe sooner, but like I remember it for my entire childhood, uh, we started caring not as much about the direct effects of the radiation itself from atomic power. We decided that that was safe enough, but then we started caring about 
the radioactive waste left over from atomic power, uh, as well as the, like, started con- being concerned about the other just kind of industrial waste that was being generated by uh, by the, the continual uh, industrial development in the world uh, and how that was polluting our ecosystems. And so that generated a, a new take on the, the same theme. So instead of uh, giant ants that were mutated by radiation from atomic bombs or whatever, now we have giant spiders from the hazardous waste, vague ooze, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is such a weird, like, it, it almost is like they, they, like, tried to make it as scientific as possible because it isn't just like, oops, stuff hit the you know uh toxic waste goes in the water and all of a sudden all the spiders are big like they very much like chain of action they say like because what happens is we get the the creepy spider keeping guy he owns a bunch of exotic spiders he goes down to this very specific part of the river he gets crickets there there's a very specific type of cricket that he wants to get Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. he feeds those crickets to his spider but the crickets have been soaking in the toxic waste that fell off of the in the in the ooh now they're super Uh, crickets and now yeah and now they're super creepy but i mean they you know they look normal but he's feeding them to the spiders and then you know he he tells the young kid mike He's like, these spiders, they're getting bigger. Like a week ago, like, look how big they're got, getting. Like, this is crazy. And I'm, it's because I'm feeding them these crickets. And everyone's like, oh, cool. All right. Well, I'll see you later, man. It's like, that feels like an alarm. <laughs> so what I want to know is why did the spiders get big from eating the radioactive crickets, but the radioactive crickets didn't get ba- big from exposure? That's what I'm saying, Why didn't we have a town overrun in, like, this giant battle between spiders and cricket? That would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. We were just caught in the crossfire of their war. Oh, God, I need that movie. I mean, so the only thing I think of is that um, because we also see in the beginning of the movie one of the sheriff deputies pulls the toxic waste out, and he's like, oh, look, this fucking thing's in here, and it's soaking up everything. So I wonder if the guy got all of the crickets that were soaked up the radiation. I mean, he couldn't have gotten all of them, but he, he must have done something to have gotten all of them and feed them to the spiders. I don't know. He implied that he kept going back. Right. So I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Answers. I, and you I know what, need though? answers. I don't I, have we, them. You don't have them? I think we could, we'll call, uh, what is it? Ellery, uh, what, is, what is this guy's name that uh, did this movie? Oh, uh, um, oh yeah, Ellery Elkayam, uh who uh, wrote and directed this movie, and this is actually based off a uh, a short film um, called, I believe it's called Larger Than Life, um, uh, oh written God. by. Uh, so he's from uh, New Zealand, Ellery which Elkayem. explains how amazing this movie is. This, yeah. So in my head canon, this is a this is a New Zealand film. Uh, well, this I mean, exists I in the same universe as uh, Mega Time Squad. Is Mega Time Squad? Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. God, I'll accept that. I accept that as an answer. Also, you you made the the Night of the Living Dead connection. He directed Return of the Living Dead in two thousand five. I saw that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's you know it is very like you know instead of zombies, it's spiders. Like it very much you know is the same sort of plot of a typical zombie movie. They mm-hmm. just replaced spiders. For the zombies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's, I mean, this movie's very straightforward about its plot, which I like because yeah. it is silly. It's a silly movie. Yeah, um, yep. yeah I mean, like, uh, in terms of uh, things like, it's not gruesome, really. I mean, people definitely die because yeah. of spiders, but you don't really see them die, per se, and only, like, once or twice does somebody swear, and that's about it. Like, I, I would definitely play this movie. Like, I would... I wouldn't be mad if I watched my if I had my ten year old daughter watch this film, but I know she would never watch this film. She'd Good for her. I'm not watching that shit. Don't watch that shit, <laughs> Juniper. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the yeah, there, there's some some pretty good uh, practical effects of people who have been killed by the spiders and are like you know drained of their their insides and whatnot. So they're all like, Whoa, you can't see me, but like. Yeah. Picture the way my face contorted when I made that sound. I got the garble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Podcasting. I, such a visual medium. <laughs> uh, NSRAD.io slash YouTube. Um, <laughs> I also love how, I mean, this movie was shot in, you know, let's say 2001, 2002. I also love how very late 90s, early 2000s this movie was. Because, mm -hmm. like, you get Scarlett Johansson, she's 17, and she's with her boyfriends, who, or her boyfriend and his friends, who all have that, ex I mean, like, they have that haircut yep. for the early 2000s. Like, you know the exact haircut I'm talking about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, like, on her, on her wall, there was a poster for, like, Kid Rock <laughs> and Linkin Park and P.O.D., you know? <laughs> like, which I just think is, you know, because like, she was, like, you know, she's one of those girls. She's a, she's a rebellious teen or what have you. She Lessons to um, payable on death. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, and yeah, and like all her boyfriend and all her friends, you know, they have like frosted tips and they ride dirt bikes. And, Hell yeah. Oh you know, they've God. got, I don't know, oversized jerseys for, for clothes because they're cool. <laughs> Listen, you may have already figured out that we're not, we're not doing a traditional review of this film because like, how, like it's a monster movie. Giant spiders. There's, there's news, they grow, they attack, people die. Like, that's the plot of the film. But, like, there are such gems in this film. Like, the scene that I completely forgot where jumping spiders, who, again, we learn all about the jumping spiders. That's how we learn about the Iraq attack uh, in, in the yeah. exposition right. at the beginning, where jumping spiders chase teenagers on dirt bikes. It's amazing. <laughs> I, so, wait. <laughs> I want to I wanna pose a question to you. Okay, okay? please do. All right, hang on. <laughs> so here is a story we get, right? This is a backstory we get. Uh, Chris McCormick, who is played by David Arquette. David Arquette, everyone. David Arquette. Ladies and gentlemen, David Arquette. Uh, he's been apparently missing for 20 years. Um, so Chris McCormick has left town at some point, right? There, there's a few other subplots where, like, he beat up the sheriff's uh, husband because he found out he was cheating, and but he didn't tell the sheriff that her husband was cheating, and then he just kind of skipped town afterwards. Um, his dad uh, died in the mines. They, they, like, were head of the mining company or whatever. Like, his dad owned the mining company. And his dad died in the mines. And the reason why his dad died in the mines is because there was a large methane leak inside of the mines. And his dad was like pushing it too hard. And he ended up going too far and dying because of uh, because of the methane leak. But one of the side effects of, of methane overexposure before you die is severe hallucinations. What if the entire town 
was just under severe methane hallucination because it was leaking out of all of the mine areas throughout this small mining town, and they're all imagining these spider things because when the other people get to town okay. after they hear the radio <clears throat> broadcast from Dougie Doug, they get to town and they're like, okay, where are all the spiders? And they're like, oh, well, we blew them all up. And they're mm. like, oh. And he's like, well, there might be some left in the tunnel. And they're like, all right, let's go see. So nobody other than the people in the town ever actually see the spiders. I think they were all just doped up on methane, and this is a this is an entire town mass delusion. Or mass hallucination, I should say, because it's a, a, as a cause of stuff. I... I'll allow you the possibility. <clears throat> oh, I needed permission for that? I mean, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> I will grant you the, the, the possibility, uh, although I will say the, the hole comes in that uh, once it's outside of the mines, the methane would dissipate enough to like not really have an effect. Uh, like, well, so you would think. I mean, if it was strong enough, like the people would die. Like, I mean, they un, did. Un, a like, lot of them did die. Unmasked people would be dying well before the, this incident. Uh, also, like, ha, like how would that high a concentration of methane stick around in in the atmosphere? I mean, the, the air is constantly moving. It would have been cycled out, and people were seeing these things way out in the open. I mean, this is this is the the high desert in in Arizona, Prosperity, Arizona. Uh, like, like, like the mine workers, yes, but like the whole town. It's a stretch. You think so? I think okay. so. I think so. All right. Well, as long I as think we're... the spiders were. <laughs> I think I think the abnormally large radioactive spiders is more realistic significantly than more plausible than your methane theory. You fucking idiot! <laughs> you dumb bitch! What a stupid idiot! God damn! Oh, I feel stupid for even saying you it. You should. Silly me. I'm so embarrassed for you. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so so we get the whole, like, you know, this is what I think is, is kind of funny about this movie is that David Arquette doesn't necessarily, like, he does, but he doesn't necessarily have, like, a hero moment in the movie. No. But it's very weird because, like, the thing about this movie is, is I never knew who exactly was the like the character I was supposed to be focusing on the most because mm -hmm. it kind of makes you feel like it should be the sheriff, right? Right. Like it starts off and you, you see the sheriff's kids, you see the sheriff taking care of things like it's the sheriff. And then Chris rolls into town, but he is only like, we only ever see him interact with the sheriff and his kids yeah. and her kids. So like, we never really see him kind of do his own thing except for like once or twice. Yeah. And so like it was weird. The sheriff yeah. gets a, a few moments to to be badass, which she should, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then you, know, David Arquette's character Chris is is presented with a few kind of heroic ish moments, but he's David Arquette, so sure. like he's never gonna nail like the big hero moment. Like I don't, I I don't think he. It, I don't even, honestly. It's not even that I don't think he's capable of it. I don't think he's believable as it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's yeah, just got that kind of like boof, like bumbling, goofy, like charm to him. He, he does. I mean, he, you know, like uh, he, uh, one of my favorite like rom com movies is Never Been Kissed. He plays Drew Barrymore's brother in that, where he's a he's a guy who like never, never kind of grew out of the idea of high school. 
Long story short, he ends up going back to high school and posing as a, as a high school kid along with his sister who is doing it um, because she's a journalist and she's trying to get a story. And he ends up like reliving his high school life because like that's all he remembered, right? Like that was his his life. And mm-hmm. he's just sort of like a lovable loser. And even in this movie, even though he comes back and he's like, my dad owns a gold mine and I'm going to do it right this time because my daddy was silly and did it wrong and I'm going to save this town. It still comes off as like, I'm going to save this town. You know, like it doesn't come <laughs> off as heroic or like, you know, like charming or rugged, like, you know, uh, you know, like masculine energy. It's very just much like, oh, she's going to save everybody. Go. Uh, it's gonna, just, and it works, but it like it's, you know. I'm going to prove my daddy wasn't crazy. Right. I'm going to prove my daddy wasn't crazy. Uh, <laughs> David Arquette doesn't sound anything like that, no. but that's just like the general vibe I'm getting. I need you guys to understand is that like people have a vibe and that is David Arquette's vibe. Even yeah, in the Scream yeah. movies, you know, was his name is fucking Dewey in the script. Like he's not the hero, <laughs> you know, like he's he's the goofy, you know, side character that everybody laughs at. He's the comic relief mm-hmm, in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think I feel like there was this this time where Hollywood really tried to make David Arquette like a thing. And I think that was one of those those like, you know, every every theater goer kind of like made their voice heard. And they're like, yeah, man, that's that's, that's not going to be it's not like, happening. Yeah. David Arquette's not going to be, you know, the next Tom Cruise or whatever, you know, at the time. Oh. Like, it's just this isn't going to be a thing. Poor guy. Yeah, Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. he is pretty. <laughs> I feel um, so bad for Tom Cruise. And, yeah, <laughs> and his career. I feel so bad for anybody that has to deal with Tom Cruise <laughs> and their career. What a nutter. Oh, it's true. Remember when he jumped up and down on Oprah's couch? Yes. How fucking embarrassing! Like. God, that that pretty much to me, I was like, "Well, they're getting divorced." <laughs> like that was like the incident. I was like, "Yeah, I mean." They're not going to last because anytime anybody, even like people I personally know, when they do any sort of like that, I've met the one and this is it. I can't believe I've ever been so happy. I was like, cool. See you in six months. And maybe that's because I'm a pessimistic asshole, but or maybe it's I think you're it's right. just like. But it's because I've been proven time and time again that, <laughs> I don't know, man, that's not going to go well for you. And it never does. It never does. Look, fall in love, be happy. Oh, yeah. I'm all for it. Oh, Scream yeah. it from the rooftops if you want. Just but not. I will be in the back being like, cool. Scream we'll it from see. the rooftops. Just not Oprah's <laughs> yeah. couch. Yeah, just not Oprah's couch. Show some fucking respect. <laughs> <laughs> that is Oprah, okay? <laughs> that couch is worth more than your shoes. Oh, this movie was dumb. So, what else we? Oh, oh, we get a chance to see uh, Scarlett uh, Scarlett Taser boyfriend in the balls making which was <laughs> which was great. And you know, this is I, I do have to say that I kind of like in retrospect, like thinking about this movie before I did the rewatch. I remember like I, I was like thinking back, but I was like, wait, how old was Scarlett Johansson when this movie came out? I was like. How old is she now? So Scarlett Johansson, uh, as of 2022, is 37 years old. Okay. This movie came out 20 years ago. So she was 17 mm-hmm. when this movie came out. And I was like, wait, does she end up with David Arquette? Like, I kind of got really Ooh. weirded out. So I was like, oh, wait, is this like some weird sexualization of like a child? But it's not. 
But it kind of is because we see the scene where she gets out of the shower and she's in her bathrobe, but mm, like yeah. kind of, but not really, but enough where I was like, mm, she's 17, man. Like, yeah, <clears throat> we could have done like the, like she could have had a shirt on. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's okay because she's uh, almost immediately completely covered in uh, spider silk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I will say that the, the casting of Carrie War- Warrior, War- Warrior? Carrie Warrior, War- yeah. uh, Scarlett War- Johansson, and Scott Terra as parents and children uh, was surprisingly believable. You know, like we've talked yeah. about this before, how a lot of times you look at a, a TV or, or film family and you're like, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see how these people are related uh, in yeah. like, not like, not even just in appearance, but also in mannerism. And like, these three worked really well. Yeah, what was the one movie we watched where the daughter looked like they she was or the mom looked like she could have been a sister to it the daughter? It was the Boo movie. Oh, Boo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that movie where like it took me like the first 20 minutes of the movie before I was like their mother daughter. <laughs> I get it now. That's why this is so weird. Yep. I was like, why are these sisters like hanging out with these this dude yeah like, like why are these two black sisters hanging out with this white dude i'm really yeah. fucking confused like uh, no one in the family looked or acted at all like they were family and it was just really yeah. weird whereas this this is the opposite uh yeah. and of course we have the the subplot of you know the reason that chris mccormick left town a decade ago was i think you mentioned this thing like he beat up the sam's husband because he yep. was cheating on her and you know he he wants to tell her that the you know, what really happened and why he really left and, you know, why he did what he did, but he, he just can't bring himself to do it. So, like, throughout the movie, there's those moments of, like, oh, I just need, I got to tell you something, and then they get interrupted. And they're like, oh, I just got to tell you something. Like, now? Really, dude? Now? And like, no, <laughs> really, now? And then finally she's like, I know, you you beat up my husband because he was cheating on me and you left town because you, you didn't, you were afraid and you didn't want to split up my family and you've always loved me. Your dad told me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which... I think that's really great because that like it, it like kind of takes the wind out of the sails of like a, a heroic, mm-hmm. lovely moment that mm-hmm. you would normally see in a movie like this. You know, you'd be like, I've but I've always loved you da, 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 as they embrace it. He's like, ah, ah, fine. I, I, yeah, I love that because it's like she's got the upper hand in that dynamic. And she's like, OK, now, like finish what you're doing here to make it, you know, make it up to me. And like, she kisses him and runs out. Like she saves all the people while he, you know, does the, this, the stupid damn near suicidal plan to rescue his aunt and blow up the mines. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there's a lot of like weird. Cause like, there's also the subplot of like the mayor is wanting to, uh, tear down the mine because he wants the mall to be successful because he's invested a bunch of money in that. He's working with the company that's generating all of the toxic waste to store it in the mine. So he's trying to get the town to sell off all their property. So there's that. There's the like the greedy mayor who's trying to convince everyone to sell their property because he's in with the the like the corporate stooges and like yeah. you know he gets found out sort of thing. Except he doesn't really get found out and. Uh, far from getting a comeuppance, he gets uh, cocooned by the spiders, but they end up rescuing him. And the only thing that you know, bad that happens to him is that his his mall blows up. Um, but like, yeah. in the process, they they do find the the like the vein of gold that Chris's father supposedly had had discovered, and they realize like, oh shit, we can reopen the mines and we can all be rich again. So theoretically, everyone who lives. Lives happily ever after. Lives, lives pretty happily ever after. At least half this town is dead. 
at least Easily. oh my god well i also feel like so so at one point once all the spiders are kind of invading and the sheriff sees that it's happening and sees that there's more than like a couple like there are hundreds of spiders you know they even asked mike and he's like I, I mean like 100 200 like it was a lot of spiders the sheriff's brilliant idea is to get everyone to go to the mall mm -hmm. but like as you see people going outside to get into the cars they're just being slaughtered <laughs> by these but it was kind of like okay everyone get out of your homes don't barricade in somewhere safe go outside where all the spiders are and <laughs> and then drive to this mall <laughs> and, and everybody you see everybody just getting just destroyed. It's it's not even that necessarily that you can fault the sheriff because people were getting attacked and killed in their homes. As we saw, I mean, there was sure. the whole like the lead up as you get people like people and animals and stuff like that disappearing, uh, as you know, a normal horror or monster movie like does that slowly to create the tension. Right. This yeah, does it in such goofy ways that there's never any tension created. Uh, yeah. but like we see people like the, the spiders breaking into homes, into businesses, and killing people. We see like people who are like caught out by themselves getting attacked and killed uh so we can reasonably assume that people like a good deal of people were probably going to die no matter what and her plan does succeed in getting the spiders all together in one place uh but yeah in the process it does draw all of that food out into the open <laughs> all into the open yeah we see the the little we see the iraq attacks we mm -hmm, see the mm -hmm. the uh the um under the the trap door spiders oh, we yeah, see oh the giant the tarantula. Uh, tarantula spider. Yeah, like we, you know, we, we see everybody. We see everybody from the beginning of the movie, the description of what uh, would happen, what the, how those spiders fight. We see all of that happened as, as we were told it was going to. I also love the way they handle uh, the isolation trope. Because as we know, like any movie set before the, like the, like, like, just ubiquitousness of cell phones. All yeah. you got to do is take out the phones, like the landlines, and they yep. do, like do that in spectacular fashion during the dirt bike jump spider chase scene, uh, where yep. the spiders uh, run into a uh, an oil tanker that runs off the road, plows through the phone lines, and explodes, killing several of the spiders in the mix, but taking the the phones down. And of course, uh, like. One person in town owns a cell phone, and it's like an early, early model, and it has like you know, no reception in the area because they're in the middle of the fucking desert, and nobody's plans had maps covered in, in that area in 2002. Yeah. Uh, and somehow their plan was, let's climb the antenna on top of the mall, and that'll boost the signal. I yeah I uh, yeah and then our other subplot has to do with Dougie Doug himself mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. I fucking love so at this time he is in the Cosby Show the new the second variation of the Cosby Show uh, as that like he also is doing you know the voices for like Shark Tale um, this is ten years after uh, Cool Runnings um, cool uh, has had come out which fantastic movie i mean just a fantastic a fantastic and inspirational movie uh actually the cosby show was had just ended about a year or two before this movie came out as well so he's right off the high of that um so dougie doug runs uh kind of like an underground public radio channel in which he does conspiracy theories very specifically uh he does conspiracy theories about aliens 
that's kind of his yeah. thing is yeah. that aliens are coming. You know, he, he makes this joke about like anal probes. Like, why are you doing anal probes? What are you trying to find? That sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I mean, valid, yeah, valid that's, points. That's, that's like, that's the, like probably the one alien abduction trope that I just can like, can never quite process. Like I can see them doing experiments to like understand yep. uh, biology, but like, I feel like the whole idea of aliens probing people is really just steeped in latent homophobia. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, and that's the thing is like, once they get a general idea of the physiology, like you're not really going to get much going that way. The only thing you get is like, I mean, I guess if they're, if they're checking for colon cancer or something, in which case we should be thanking them. Like they're looking out for our, our long-term, uh, digestive health. I was abducted <laughs> by aliens, and they anal probed me. No, Steve, all they did was give you a check for prostate cancer. <laughs> Stop saying you were abducted by aliens. They gave you a colonoscopy. <laughs> they gave you a colonoscopy. They drugged me and anally probed me. I'm like, yes, but for cancer. You're fine, Steve. Stop telling people. I tell you, they're coming for our buttholes. You know, that's maybe that's like the first person to have a colonoscopy, like got drugged up, but then like forgot about it. And they were like, I was abducted and they <laughs> probed my butt. And there was like, that's not what happened. I, I, I didn't read the headline because it was horrifying, but I saw a, sure. I, I should say I didn't read the story because the headline was horrifying. But I saw a headline the other day about uh, the um, phenomenon of being somewhat conscious during anesthesia. It may be more common than we realize. Which I mean, if that's scary to you, please don't go look that up because it will it will just make things worse for you, and you'll probably never get any you know decent medical procedure again in your life because you'd be too scared. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but that to say, theoretically possible that someone who went under for a normal uh, procedure uh, but wasn't fully under started hallucinating and believed that they were being operated on by aliens rather than human doctors. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's more plausible than aliens going around probing people's butts, unless Besides, it's all like elaborate pr- pranks. We all know that aliens don't care about probing butts. They care about eviscerating cows. Yeah. <laughs> Have you not watched Mars Attacks? Like, what the hell, man? Act, act, act. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the other thing about this movie, too, is that, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of, like, everybody is an expert marksman. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's one that's that, like, happens a lot, um, which I think is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, like, they give Chris McCormick a, a shotgun, and he's able to, like, snipe a... Uh, a spider off of the roof that's moving around at, at a very large pace. And I'm like, yo, Chris is straight up playing some, some destiny. <laughs> <laughs> Sniping people with shotguns off of roofs while they're moving. That is one of the advantages. The other being obviously the isolation factor, but one of the advantages of setting a film like this in a like very remote area is it's much more believable that literally everyone would know how to wield firearms with some degree of accuracy. Uh, even someone like David Arquette. Yeah. I, you know, that that's at one of those tropes that like, I I believe it. It's believable, but do I believe it because of movies or do I believe it because it's real? Like does everybody in these really remote random, you know, rural like I'm talking rural towns, 
do they all have guns? Like, is that a thing or is it just a thing because movies have told me it's a thing? I will not go so far as to say that it is a thing in every place like this, but it is a thing in enough places like this that I have been for me to believe that it's a thing everywhere. Gotcha. So, so <clears throat> our, our sample size is pretty generous in yes, that it's, it's like, it's more, more than likely that. My conclusions are far from scientific. Uh, but <laughs> just so we know, Caleb has done the scientific <laughs> method about rural towns and gun ownership. <laughs> and, uh, this, this has your, you're the peers. We're reviewing it right now. Yeah. You know, <laughs> honestly, you're, you're supposed to test your hypotheses. And that's one that I just like, you know, I, 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 I start to and I'm like, yeah, better not. Better not. Yeah. Yeah. Testing if people have guns in rural towns is not, uh, it's not high on my list of things to do. Uh, uh as surprisingly, a youth, uh, I once fucked around, uh, by making fun of, uh, a, a, uh, a towny kid's uh, gun saying that it looked like a toy uh, to which he responded by shooting me in the ass with it. Thankfully it was a pellet gun. It still yep. hurt. I'm grateful that it wasn't an actual rifle because I feel, I, I honestly believe this guy would have shot me regardless. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I, it, I feel like that's one of those things where they shot and you're like, Oh, that was my pellet gun. You're lucky. And be like, wait, yeah. what? I, Motherfucker, you just tried to kill me. I fucked around and found out that day. And uh, <laughs> I chose to give up that, that, uh, that scientific angle. <laughs> that scientific angle. <laughs> that line of yeah. inquiry ended that day. <laughs> yeah. Y uh, you were uh, anally probed by a pellet gun. <laughs> I do. They put beads up my ass. No, Caleb, someone shot you. They, no, I'm telling you. They brought me up in their spaceship, and it looked like the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> they had an assortment of toys. Uh, they put beads up. You literally said the words. They put beads up. I knew what I said, Caleb. <laughs> what the fuck happened to this episode? <laughs> Off the rails. Yeah, uh, Eight Legged Freaks. It's a movie. Uh, I had to rent this movie. You were you able to find it streaming anywhere? I, um, I rented it. I, I rented it. But uh, here's where I'll I'll make another plug for if you happen to be a uh, a Google Play Store user, uh, an Android user of any sort, uh, <laughs> download the creepy intrusive uh, Google Opinion Rewards uh, app because uh, it'll ask you a bunch of weird surveys about places that you go or things that you do uh, that they really have no business knowing. But if you don't care about your privacy, they give you Google Play Store credit. It. So I watched this movie for free today. <laughs> Hell yeah, son. <laughs> That's great. I love free shit. Uh, speaking of free, uh, I so I went and saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, in theaters. Yeah. I went and saw Venom. We went and saw Venom. That's true. Uh, and then uh, we went and saw Morbius. Now, unfortunately. Where are you going and with this? And because of that... Because I went and saw all three of those in the theater, I got all three of those as digital downloads. Oh, so I now you. own those three movies. And I found this out because I was looking through movies to watch the other day. And I was like, you know what? Let's see what's new. I want to like maybe rent something. And I was going to listen. I was like, and it was like recent purchases and it showed like Morbius and Venom. And I was like, the, the fuck, fuck I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I absolutely the fuck did not buy those two movies. 
And I was like, why the fuck do I own those that hellfire of bullshit? It is not Morbin time in this house, let me tell you. <laughs> Morbin time. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, I don't understand how I got these. And then like I, I was kind of just like going through my email, like my accounts, because I was like, did I purchase this? And I was going through and I saw the thing and it said um uh movies anywhere redeemables or whatever like digital redeemables and i was like oh and so i went into my regal app and it was like you know watch these three movies in the theater get whatever for free i was like oh but it's now it's if i watch doctor strange and two other movies mm -hmm. in the theater i get all three of them for free digitally and i'm like oh okay cool that's that's cool i wonder which one of those will be good <laughs> At Doctor Strange was not. It was not. So I figure that the idea is that they pair, or uh, you know, that they 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 group together like one good movie that they know people will will go see, one movie that like <clears throat> some people will think was good. I love Venom. This guy, uh, mm -hmm. and then one movie that's complete trash. Uh, you've already seen the movie that's complete trash. So like you know, from here on up, it should be looking good. Right. Right. <laughs> I, we can only go up. That's that's what I'm saying. You've already seen the Morbius of this trio. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's an episode, guys. So Eight Legged Freaks. Uh, again, it's a rentable movie. If you're the type of person that watches movies after we talk about them, th should you watch this movie? Yeah, it's a really silly, fun movie. Um, uh, you know, young Scarlett Johansson, David Arquette. David Arquette's never bad in movies. He's just David Arquette, yeah. and that's okay. That's, that's okay. The, that's the thing. If you've seen David Arquette in anything, then you know exactly what you're getting into with this. Right. Like, like not everyone's Channing Tatum. You know, like, we need David Arquette's in the world, too. That's. Mm -hmm. I think that's the point we're trying to make. Yeah. Uh, and just a, a really fun supporting cast, a goofy story, like, it just... A cartoonishly like terrible monster movie that is just it's it's fun, and I, I was again like I know a lot of people out there that are like me, uh, who are horrified by or at least like somewhat repulsed by spiders. I was able to get through this movie, uh, and uh, unless you just can't even like stand the the sight, you get like viscerally terrified. Which you know, save yourself. You know you don't need to watch sure, it, but sure. I think it was fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so definitely check it out. Um, so there it is, everyone. Thanks a lot for watching. Hey, if you have not hit that subscribe button, make sure to do so. We super appreciate it or follow or whatever it is on your player of choice. And uh, of course, hit us up on social media. All the links are down below in our show notes. Uh, we would love to hear from you. What, what are some other movies we should watch? Are there other mermaid movies we should watch? Or what about <laughs> spider movies? Do you got more spider movies that I can try to convince Caleb to watch? Hell no. That aren't uh, Spider-Man, uh, Peter Spider-Man. Spider <laughs> what is that? It's a spider, man. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> what a line. What a line. Uh, yeah, but let us know. We would love to hear all of the movies that uh, you guys think that we should talk about. Uh, hit us up. We, we're, we're down. Um, so there it is, everyone. So thanks a lot for listening. Hit the subscribe. Share this episode, as always, with 100,000 of your closest friends. It is the clo closest. It is the least you can do. The closest you, and least thing you can do. You eight-legged freaks. You eight-legged freaks. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. A father's tragic past hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller Series, a Night Shift Radio original. 
Every month, we bring a new short story to life in a full-cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts, and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.